I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Sunday, April 4th, 2021. Happy Easter. And this is episode 114 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. This episode is sponsored by Breakfast at the Honey Creek Cafe by Jody Thomas, a romantic, heartwarming small town romance. Piper Jane McKenzie, mayor of Honey Creek, won't let a major scandal rip her quirky hometown apart. When her wannabe fiancé disappears, she hires undercover detective Colby McBride to solve the mystery. Posing as an old flame begging for a second chance, Colby's shenanigans quickly draw Piper to him. If she can keep her town and her heart from going completely off the rails, there may be a sweet, unexpected future in store. Filled with warmth and authentic Texas flair, this first visit to Honey Creek will have you clamoring to return. You can find Breakfast at the Honey Creek Cafe by Jody Thomas wherever books are sold and at kensingtonbooks.com. This week's best thing. Um, I got really good news about my heist novel and when and where you'll be able to read it at some point in the future. I can't technically announce it yet, which I know is confusing. I was talking to uh, a friend of mine who was asking like, oh, are you under an NDA or something? And I was like, no, it's not. It's not as as official as all that. It's just that um, I think there's timing issues for various like business and marketing reasons. So suffice it to say, I'm super, super excited and all of you have heard me talk about this book that I've been writing for the past, not quite a year, but seven, eight months, will be heartened to know that one day, soon-ish, it will be on your shelves. So um, expect an announcement at some point in the future, and I will definitely let you know. But it is really good, uh, and it made me feel really good, and thinking about how to celebrate good news, you know? I think it's important to do so. I'm usually really bad at that. I generally have some cheesecake. Cheesecake is my favorite dessert, and I'm a very picky eater, so I really only like plain cheesecake. I don't want any strawberries on it. I don't want chocolate syrup. I don't want other flavors. I just want New York-style cheesecake, plain, and that is what I had. (laughs) So that was my way of celebrating. Small things, little things, little rewards. I mean, it's not like I don't have cheesecake other times, but... I tell myself, this is my special celebratory cheesecake, and it makes it more special. So, oh, giveaway winner. So the winner of the giveaway of the So To Speak book of sayings is Maxine. And I will email Maxine for information on shipping her gift to her, but congratulations. And I think since April is my birthday month, I will be doing another giveaway. I haven't put it together yet, so stay tuned for next week. In my writing update... Okay. So we've had some time, and I'm still in taking time away from the heist manuscript before I do my final pass. Uh, I still have the time I'm taking from my second thing that I was working on, my second project, the 1830s project, which I'm awaiting feedback on. So I was thinking about my schedule and about, as things become clear, as I get my schedule together um, for my contracted books, and what do I want to do next? I do want to self-publish something because with traditional publishing, generally no publisher is going to do more than one book a year. Uh, Sometimes they will speed it up and it depends on the publisher and how big they are. But generally the wheels turning in big publishing is one book a year. 
I can write more than that. And I still want to be hybrid. So I was thinking about a self-publishing project. I make sure when I do my traditionally published contracts that I have as much room as possible to self-publish. So usually there's like embargoed time, traditionally three months before and three months after a traditionally published book, which still leaves me six months of the year to publish my own things. And I've been wanting to do, to do something. Uh, as I was doing promotion for the Earth Singer books, I, people have asked me, oh, what's coming up next? And at the time, I was saying dragons. I have a story with dragons that I have been working on for a long time. And then, of course, the heist idea came and took precedence, and it was just all of my energy was there. And so now that that is a thing, you know, it's a solid entity, I'm going back to my dragons, I think. I spent a long time this week trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I still am going to talk to my agent about strategy and things like that. But paranormal romance is something that I love. <laughs> I love to read. It really brought me into reading romance in the first place. And so that's what this story is that I'm thinking about for my self-published project. On top of everything else, I know. But it's important to me to have something self-published, like something of my my own that I can do, I can pour all of that energy that I can't pour into the things that I have less control over once they leave my hands. Now, paranormal romance is interesting. When I took the Write Better Faster class with Becca Syme, which is a class a lot of writers are taking, I highly recommend it. I, I found it incredibly helpful. We had a one-on-one with Rebecca. I had a one-on-one with Rebecca. And, you know, there was a class where we took the personality tests and we sort of figure out how to maximize, optimize your writing life, your career, your the way you get words down, everything. And I've used a lot of the things that I've learned in subsequent years. I took this class two or three years ago. and But in the one-on-one, um, Becca asked me, do you need to write paranormal romance? You're writing fantasy. Do you need to write paranormal romance? And the reason why was because of my personality, because of my I love world building. I love details. I love, um, and I am high compliance, as I say all the time. High compliance is not necessarily compatible with the current paranormal romance marketplace, shall we say. Fantasy readers tend to be higher compliance. So a fantasy reader or a science fiction reader also, like hard sci-fi, will email you and be like, why did you do this? And, you know, here's your plot hole and here's your magic hole and, and here's the hole in your scientific system or whatever. Like, they read carefully and they care about the details, like I do. I read carefully and I care about the details. Paranormal romance, not so much. One thing that separates it from fantasy, I guess, is it's it tends to be a little lighter. Like there's there's definitely wonderful world building in paranormal romance. I'm not trying to disparage it because I do love it. But um there is a difference between a hundred fifty thousand word epic fantasy and even a hundred thousand word paranormal romance. I think they tend to be shorter than that. I would say seventy seventy to ninety thousand. I mean I'm sure there's always exceptions, but or shorter, you know, than, than seventy thousand words. So her query to me was like, do you need to write this? Because basically it's not, I don't want to say it's not playing to my strengths because in a way it sort of is like, I love the world building, but I don't need to do as much of it. I think her point was that the marketplace doesn't require what you want to give. And if you want to be as successful as possible in the marketplace, 
you're probably overdoing it. They, the readers of paranormal romance don't require as much and it might not be as aligned with your strengths as high fantasy is, which is a point very well taken. And it really shocked me. And I thought about it. I held that for a long time. And I think that she is right. You know, my paranormal romance doesn't sell terribly well. The series that I have out now, which is self-published, the Angelborn series, I still love those books. Uh, I don't do anything to promote them either. So another reason. There's only two of them. We're not going to talk about the third angel book today. Uh, although I did consider going back to that. I considered everything. Everything was on the table this week because I was thinking about what do I want to focus on next for me. But I came back to the dragon story. And this was a story, interesting backstory on this. Uh, so I originally self-published the Earth Singer Chronicles, Song of Blood and Stone, and Whispers of Shadow and Flame were out when I was contacted by my editor at St. Martin's Press. And so the first thing she did was ask me to pitch something new, because it is rather unusual to republish something that was already in the marketplace, which is obviously what ended up happening. But before that, uh, she asked me to pitch something new. I had had this tiny kernel of an idea, and originally it was a spinoff of the Angelborn series. It was a spinoff series of the third Angel book, which is not out, <laughs> we're not talking about. It was a portal fantasy slash paranormal romance about a girl who gets pulled out of our world and taken to another world, um, a post-apocalyptic landscape of warring shifters. And that is the idea that I had. So I spent three months from the time that she first emailed me. Uh, I didn't have an agent at this point in time. So this was like January 2016. And, uh, but I looked up, okay, book proposals. How do I do this? Like she asked me for a proposal of my next idea. And I was like, sure. Yeah, I can do that. So I was like, wait, what is a book proposal? Okay. It's a synopsis and three chapters. I can do that. Uh, so I spent the three months creating a synopsis and the first three chapters and sent them on. And her feedback was positive, but she really wanted to publish Song of Blood and Stone, which is fine. I mean, it, it ended up wonderful, but I still had this idea that I loved. And so over the course of the past five years, I've gone back to it. After I got my agent, uh, at one point when I was in between things, I, I sent it to her. Like I, I finished it or I did a draft and I talked to her about it and she'd asked me, oh, could this be YA? Could this be middle grade? These are selling. And I thought about it. And really, actually, I tried to do it as middle grade and I'm like, ooh, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. And then I was doing it as YA. And, uh, when it was originally more of a new adult college age story, I'd sent her different versions. Uh, Portal Fantasy is tough. And she had, she sent it back to me with feedback at least twice, maybe more. So it didn't go anywhere. And, and eventually I was, you know, caught up in my contracted books and had to go back to them. But as I was thinking this week about what I wanted to self-publish, I was talking to my friend Inez in the mornings and I was just saying that I don't want to build another world. Like Earthsinger just took so much out of me so much creatively. I would like to be in our world. I would like to um, not have to do a whole another world building thing. But as I was thinking about it and looking at, you know, all of the unfinished manuscripts that I have, I was like, well, I've already built this world, you know, and I've, I've struggled with the story in a similar way as I've struggled with the third angel book of which we will not speak today. <laughs> um, because I've come at it from many different ways. I've changed the main character completely. Like the, I've changed the human being that the main character is. I've changed her name. 
I've changed the the age range of the readership several times. We're back to adult now. I have, and over the course of years, the world has gotten more complicated and expanded. I know so much about it. Uh, but one of the problems with the, one of the previous drafts was that I had spent several years on this world. And with each draft, it, it, I added a layer of complexity. So I've got two clans of warring shifters, plus another enemy, plus humans in this city, in this post-apocalyptic city. And then within one of the clans of shifters, there's a caste system. And <laughs> then there's a religions, you know, there's two religions, um, that I know about right now, there's, it just, it goes on from there. There's many layers of striations and, you know, categorizations of various aspects of the society in the world. And I kept adding more because I was stuck and I was like, oh, what if I did this? This would be really interesting. So it, it got away from me. So I was thinking about it, like all of that and knowing I'm going to have to start from scratch. I'm going to have to create new humans for I think maybe just one or two of the characters. I think that can keep the name. It's been scary, but it's also been with me for a long time. So it's not like I have to, to create a new world. I think I have to trim the world that I have down. Or if all of that is still in there, like the iceberg um, theory of, of writing where you only see 10% in the book, but you know there's another 90% under the water. But my gut is telling me I need to trim it back. I need to simplify things. What I've done. It's too much. It's too much for me. And I recognize it. And I'm trying to trim it back. And I'm thinking if I want to write books in the series that are not 150,000 words long, then I cannot have all of the clans and all of the casts and all of the religions and the figures and the leaders. And like, I need to dial it back. What I'm trying to do as I think about this, because what I want to try to do is pre-plan an entire series. Thinking five books. I got this idea, well, from a lot of places, but if I'm going to self-publish it, I think it should be a series, a different character per book, so they could be standalones. I've wanted for a long time to do that, and I had another idea, another one of my unfinished manuscripts in mind, that uh, for various other creative reasons, this one is kind of speaking to me more than that one, which I still want to write. I was also listening to author Janie Crouch being interviewed on the SPA Girls podcast. This is the most recent episode, and I'll link to it. She has a series of which I binged over the past two weeks, uh, like 11, 14 books. I don't know how many books it is. It's a lot of books. The Romantic Suspense, like Military Romantic Suspense, Linear Tactical Series. And she talked about how she came up with it, how she started marketing it, how she started marketing it. So what I want to do is take this idea, rework it, and plan the entire series, or at least the beginning of it. I want to plan five books. I think I had this idea from um, Anna Geary and the Ars Numina series, which is also Paranormal Romance. And I remember when I read the first one, she had listed the titles of all the other books in the series. And she's like, these are coming soon. And I think she puts out about one book a year, and the last one is coming up. And I love that series. And I was like, what if I could plan an entire series. I've never done that before. I've written a series that I sort of just planned as I went. Like I had the tiniest idea of what book four would be when I decided there was going to be a book four. But if I go into it more intentionally, like 
like having at least like a one page synopsis of each book so that I can plan. Also, because I know so many of these characters, um, I don't know if it's just another challenge. It's a good marketing wise. Like if I'm self publishing this, I'm trying to plan it out and be more intentional about it since there's already things stacked against me. My, uh, own personality and this genre that I want to write in are not necessarily attuned. I know that I am not going to be able to write a paranormal romance that is too market per se. I don't think my interests lie there. So I'm already working at a slight deficit in terms of the marketplace and self-publishing, but that's okay. Like I'm fine with that. I, I want to write the story that I want to write. And that's more important to me than writing it to market. So I'm already doing that quote unquote wrong, which I mean, you know, write what you want to write, but you know what I'm saying, hopefully. Then I want to do other things, as many other things as possible, right? So releasing book one and having book two already on pre-order, um, things like that, like other best practices to maximize whatever the ability is of these books to find their audience. So yeah, trying to plan, I'm not going to say plot, but I'm going to say plan a five book series. That will be my next challenge amidst the other things that I am working on. So initially I'm doing a schedule for when I hope to publish these um, in the midst of, you know, things that are contracted. And that comes down to my writing schedule when I'm going to write all of these books, <laughs> scheduling time with cover designers and editors and all of that stuff thinking about this. So it's even more challenging that I'm not using anything that I've used before, aside from the basics of the world. I have two whole notebooks full of notes over the past, what did I say, five years that I've been working on this. I put them aside and I started a new notebook because I'm starting from scratch. I'm simplifying the world and I'm going to, I want to simplify the story uh, of the first book that I've already have various drafts of and various stages of completion or non-completion and just try to go back to the core of the story, write shorter books, 70,000 words is my goal and see how it goes. I'm excited. It's like, I'll be indecisive for a while while I'm considering my options and reviewing everything. But then once I have a decision that I feel good about, that I feel right about, that it's like, oh, this is what I think I'm supposed to be doing. I just want to move forward. I just want to like book time because the cover designer that I've used books up really early, like months in advance. So if I have a target date for publishing, I have to make sure that I can get a cover. My editor books up quickly too. So all of those things, I'm working a little bit further in the future and planning the next couple of years of writing. I will enjoy trying to um, put some of the things that I've learned into practice. You know, I haven't self-published a novel since 2016, since 2015. I've self-published, you know, the short stories uh, and novellas inside Earth Center Chronicles, but a brand new, completely new thing that's never been seen before is is new for me too. And everything has changed. And it's so difficult to keep up with everything. Ads, I don't even want to think about learning how to do ads on a real basis, like Facebook ads and Amazon ads. Like I said, I'm working at a deficit. I'm going into uh, a very packed 
marketplace. You know, paranormal romance is very saturated. It's full of alphas. I don't write alphas. It's another thing that puts me um, like behind the curve of what the market wants. But I like cinnamon roll paranormal romance. I think there's a space for that. And there might be an alpha in there somewhere. I think it was Inez who said, uh, Ty Summerhook, who's a character in book three of Earthsinger Chronicles, Cry of Middle and Bone, that Ty is an alpha. If anyone has read Cry and believes, has an opinion about Ty and being an alpha, please uh, leave a comment. Let me know. I'm interested to see your feedback because I don't think of him as that. And I just was like, he's not an alpha hole, but he is an alpha. And I just, I don't know. I'm interested to see what anyone else thinks about that. So hit me up, email me, comment, please share your thoughts. I, I would love to know. Another thing I was thinking about was a question that my friend asked me, um, whose career do you want to model yours after? And I don't have an answer for that yet because um, I'm not entirely sure. The first person who came to mind for me was Colleen Hoover because I love Colleen Hoover. And I feel like she just kind of drops books whenever she feels like it about whatever the hell she wanted to write about and it works. I don't think she worries overly much about the market. I mean, she's also Colleen Hoover. She's also incredibly popular. So her people will read whatever she writes to a certain degree, you know, and she writes broadly. She has her like YA romances, then the adult romances. She's got some thrillers. I just downloaded her latest, I think it's the latest, one of the latest, Layla, which is like a ghost story, but I think it's a romance. Then she wrote something as like Sea Hoover, which she said was very dark and I believed her, so I did not read it. But the career I would want to have is where I follow my muse and um, I write what I want. It was interesting because on the podcast with Janie Crouch, she mentioned sort of a flippant statement about, uh, you know, I wasn't writing the book of my heart. Like she was being very purposeful and um, businesslike about her, what she was going to write about the series and how she was going to write it and, you know, what she was putting in it and all that stuff. Uh, and I, I've heard this before. And those things do seem to be at odds, writing the book of your heart versus trying to really make money and uh, writing a book for the marketplace. But I do think that the best, like the, the books that stick with me and the books that uh, I think about and reread over and over, to some degree, they feel more like the book of the author's heart. Like as much as I read other things, because I like to read and I like stories, uh, and Things that are written to market are great. They're, they're easy to digest. You get what you're expecting. I think that's fantastic. But I always go back to, you know, why I'm doing this in the first place. And I think I'm doing this to write what's in my heart and hope that there is a market for it as well. I don't do very well writing to market. And I'm not necessarily interested in, you know, the advice to, you know, read a dozen of the top selling books in your subgenre and figure out what they're doing and, you know, figure out that that's what the market wants, what these books are doing because they're the top selling books. And that's great advice. It really, really is. And it's advice that, that makes me cringe. Muse versus business, right? That is the, the age old dilemma of the artist. 
muse versus business and how well we marry those things, I think is, has to do a lot with our longevity in this industry. And this industry pulls and tears at you and asks a lot of you. And so protecting your muse as you think of this as a business, like finding that balance is key. I did want to let you know that uh, the video recording of the panel that I did with Tanana Reeve Du and Stephen Barnes for VirtuousCon is on YouTube now. I will link to it in the show notes. It was one of the best panels that I've ever been on. I just remember it very fondly. I, I can't go back and rewatch it because I don't like to see myself again, but <laughs> I loved that panel. Uh, VirtuousCon is coming back to us in June of 2021, and I, I highly encourage everyone to sign up. Uh, to attend because it was spectacular. And yes, just wanted to let you know about that. That is it for me for this week. My goal for the coming week, I think I will go back into the heist this week and do my last pass uh, maybe later in the week. I might give myself an extra few days. Ideally, I'd like to take a month off from it. And I could, I have the time, but I don't want to get overwhelmed. And I'm afraid that you know, I have this thing out here looming that is going to come back and I don't know when it's coming back. And when it comes back, I want to be able to focus on it. So I do have the time to focus and clear my plate a little bit. Another few weeks away from it would probably help, but I've had a couple of weeks. I've had like two weeks at this point almost. And maybe that'll have to be enough. It's had to have been enough in the past. In the past, I haven't had even this much time. So uh, I'm trying to be gentle with myself and give myself some grace about this project, but I do want to finish it and move on and, you know, take the time, however much time I have left to focus on these new ideas and this planning of the series without feeling like I have things ho- I'm hovering and hovering on my head. Oh, and the update, I forgot. Uh, I did not, I did not get a streak on 750words.com. I did write two or three days possibly not in a row. And then I was taken by this new idea. And so I wasn't writing whatever that thing was I was writing, just free writing. But I think that the process of the free writing did jiggle loose some creative juices that are now being funneled into this new self-published project. So it absolutely wasn't wasted. And I'm glad that I did it. And I think it did help, but no streaks for me, (laughs) sadly. All right. Talk to you next week. For episode show notes and to sign up for the Footnotes new- newsletter and get the show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. I would appreciate a rating or review to help support the show. And My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts. And now my voice is done. <laughs> <laughs>